Hiya, um, I'm Beth, for those of you who don't know me, and I have the privilege of bringing the word today. Um, and do you know what? Right now is like my favorite time of year, for those of you that don't know that. Um, because there's something coming up really, really soon that I get really excited about. Does anyone know what's coming up? New Year's. <laughs> Typical, isn't it? <laughs> what's coming up soon? Christmas! Um, and we get, at the moment, to count down to Christmas, we get to do Advent. Um, some of you will know that because you'll have been joining in with the social media stuff that we're doing. Some of you will have been joining in with the devotionals that we've been doing. Um, some of you might even get to eat some chocolate every day. Who here has got an Advent calendar? Wow, less than I thought. Okay, okay. <laughs> just, uh, just my husband that still needs an Advent calendar then, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what? Advent is a time for expectant waiting and preparation. So we are expectantly waiting for both the birth of Jesus um, and Christmas and also for his second coming. He's coming again. Um, but do you know what? I think as a culture, we're not very good at waiting. You know, we don't like to wait. Um, if you are catching a bus or a train and that train is late, I've never heard anybody turn around and go, oh, goody, my bus is late. I get to sit here five more minutes. <laughs> or if we're in a restaurant and our food is late coming out, maybe for the first part, we might, uh, we might be okay with it. We might, you know, just catch up with the people we're with. But suddenly you start to get hangry, don't you? And you know food's coming. So you're, you start to get a bit annoyed, don't you? And you start to maybe give the waiter or waitress a, a bit of an eye. <laughs> like, where, where's my food? Uh, maybe you do a few vocal humps just to make sure that they know that they've forgotten your food. Um, you know, we don't like to wait for food. We also don't really like waiting in queues, do we? Um, but I find this really funny in England because there are different rules for waiting in queues depending on whether you are in person or whether you are in a car. So I've noticed this. If you're in person and you're queuing, we like in England to wait one behind another very politely and wait our turn. And if anyone were to push in, well, that would be extreme, right? You know, you, you probably, they'd probably get a thump um, or, or a very stern talking to. But if you're in a car, these rules don't seem to apply. <laughs> so if you're in a car, um, you get the people, like me, because I'm a goody two-shoes, who like to wait in the queue and uh, wait my turn um, to get past the traffic. But then you get this other kind of people. Now, I don't need to know which one of these you are. That don't think they need to wait. They see the queue. They see that there's traffic. And they go up the next lane next to you. They zoom up past. And they push in at the front. And you are then made to wait even longer. Yeah, I can see a few guilty faces around here. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the rules just don't seem to apply that because we don't like waiting. We don't like our time being put out because our time is our time. Yeah? 
And if anyone or anything encroaches on our time, then that's not okay. That makes us feel frustrated or um, like it's unfair that we have to wait. Our time is precious. And this isn't the case just in our physical lives, but sometimes in our spiritual lives, we can find it difficult to wait. But you know, the thing is, God's time isn't our time. And God doesn't work to our timing and our demands. He's not like an Amazon order that you can just, you know, click one day, I want this God, and then the next day it's at your front doorstep. Um, He works in his timing, and his timing is perfect. And actually, if we've given our lives to God, part of that is we've given our time to God. And we have to trust that his timing is the right timing for us. And this might be, you know, some, maybe God has called you to something and you're not seeing that thing happen yet. Maybe it's that you're in need of a miracle, but you're not seeing that miracle happen yet. Maybe you're in need of healing, but you're not seeing that healing happen yet. Maybe uh, you want to find a wife or a husband um, and settle down and have a family. And maybe you're not seeing those things happen yet. We don't like to wait on God to do these things, do we? But, you know, God has his perfect timing. And actually, in that waiting, he is doing stuff in us. He is preparing us. He is getting us ready for what's to come. And I'm going to look today at someone that I think waited well, because I think we can learn how to wait well in these seasons of waiting that we have. And that is Mary. It's Christmas. I'm going to talk about Mary. <laughs> but she was the first person to expectantly wait for Christ to come. And we're going to read a little bit about her story and see what we can learn from her time of waiting today. So I'm going to read from Luke 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel uh, Gabriel, was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, 
And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. So the first thing um, I want to pull out of this is that actually Mary had to be obedient to her calling to God. She had to show obedience. She responded even though she knew that God making her pregnant was going to mess up her life quite a lot and (laughs) it was going to change a lot for her. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. And she didn't have to just be obedient to start with, but she had to keep choosing to be obedient. You know, for her, her whole life was turned upside down. You know, she didn't know if um, Joseph was going to marry her now. She had to walk 90 miles while pregnant um, to another town. I don't think I could walk 90 miles without being pregnant. So she, she had a lot on her. Um, she then arrives and she can't give birth in a nice sanitary guest room, but, you know, there's no room for her to give birth to this baby. Um, and she ends up having to give birth to a baby in amongst a load of animals. You know, I don't think I'd be feeling very obedient to God right then. With all these things happening, like, yes, God, okay, I've agreed to carry a child, to to carry the Son of God, but you didn't say that I'd have to go and walk that really far journey. You didn't say I'd have to go and give birth in amongst a load of donkeys and cows, and I don't even know what was, was there at the time. But you know what? Mary kept having to choose to be obedient to God. And sometimes... God calls us to something, and it has a big effect on our lives. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable. Sometimes it risks losing people um, or upsetting people or them not understanding why we're making our choices. Sometimes it means giving up things that are important to us, like our time or our financial security And, you know, it's really tough to be obedient sometimes in those times. It's not an easy thing to keep choosing to be obedient to God, even when we don't know what's happening, even if we didn't know what we we were expecting in that situation. Now, I have the perfect example of somebody that isn't, or something, that isn't obedient and therefore misses out. And that is my dog, Asher. (laughs) I love to bring Asher into my sermons. Um, He loves playing with the ball. He's generally well-behaved. I should start with that. But when we are out and about, he does not like to let go of the ball. Now, this would be fine if Asher's favorite thing wasn't chasing the ball. So me and Tom are there like, do you know what? Like, if you just trust us, if you just let go of this ball, if you just drop it, then we can throw the ball. We've got this amazing thing for you that you're going to really enjoy. But he's like, no. No, I'm going to hold on to this ball. 
no matter what you do, no matter what you tell me, no matter if you try and stick your, your hand in my mouth, I am not letting go of this ball. And because he does that, he misses out on getting to chase that ball. <laughs> and you know, like, God has this amazing plan for our lives. But sometimes, like Asher, we can be a little bit stubborn. And we can be like, nah. Nah, we ain't dropping this ball for no one. <laughs> We're not letting go. We're not going to trust you. And you know what? God's just there. I can imagine him just shaking his head going, I've got so much more for you if you just let go and you just trust me. Sometimes we have to be willing to be obedient even when we don't see the, the further um, journey, even when we don't see what's going to happen because God, we have to know that God wants the best for us and he's got something so great for us if we just let go and let God. So are we willing to say, I am the Lord's servant? May it happen to me as you have said. And are we willing to keep choosing obedience to God? Maybe even when we can't see the end result. Are we willing to trust God's direction for our lives in our season of waiting? Secondly, Mary had faith. Now, pregnancy takes nine months. I've learned that. Um, <laughs> so, Mary gets told that she's going to have a baby and a son of God. But do you know what? I found out, I, I've been Googling. Apparently, pregnant ladies don't show symptoms of being pregnant for four to six weeks. Now, they wouldn't have had pregnancy tests back then. So, straight away, Mary had to believe that what God had told her, what this angel had come and said to her, was actually going to happen to her body. You know, we, I think when we think about the, the Christmas story, we just think, oh, Mary gets pregnant, that's it, she knows. <laughs> and actually, it probably wasn't like that. She probably had to wait to know that she was pregnant and trust that she hadn't have just like had some hallucination of some angel coming down. You know, she had to wait and she had to have faith that what the angel had told her was true. And even once she knew she was pregnant, she then had to wait and get her head around this idea that the baby boy that she was going to give birth to was going to be a king who would reign in a kingdom that would never end. And you know, Jesus lived for 30 years before he started his ministry. So Mary had to hold on to that promise that Jesus was who God had said he was for that time. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for an assurance about what we do not see. Mary had 30 years of having to have faith of what she couldn't see at the time. And then she had to have faith when she saw her son die on a cross, that he was God and that he was going to reign again and 
he was going to reign eternal in this kingdom. I just imagine what was going through her head at that time. Like, all of his life, she'd had faith that he was the son of God, but still had to watch him die on that cross. For me, I um, some of you know I'm training for ministry here. And in order to do that, I had to... Um, when we, when we arranged that I was going to be doing training, what, part of the agreement was that I was going to find a job. And that job was going to support me financially. And you know what? When we were having these conversations, like way back when, like, I don't know, beginning of the year, May time, I was so confident that God was just going to give me a job because God wanted me to do this, so God would provide the job. Yes? And it was really easy to have faith at that time. Now, some of you will know that actually, I went through months and months of loads of applications, loads of interviews that were unsuccessful, loads of getting rejected and not knowing um, what God was doing. Like, was he even going to provide for this? Was, it, was I getting it wrong? I, was, I went through a bit of time of doubt of like, well, maybe I've got God's word wrong. Maybe, maybe God isn't actually telling me to do this. And you know, it's hard to keep faith when you're not seeing something happen. It's really easy once you've got that job to go, oh, you should have faith that you've got it. But actually, when you don't get that job and you keep not getting that job, it's harder to go, do you know what? I'm trusting that God's going to provide. And God did provide. And God provided um, the job literally a week before I was due to start. So the week that I was due to start, I went for an interview and I started the next week. But I couldn't see that back a couple months before that. And you know, sometimes when we're waiting on a miracle or we're waiting on a calling, it can feel like maybe we've got it wrong. Like God doesn't actually want to do this in our lives. And if we're not careful, the season of waiting becomes a season of doubting. But it's in those seasons of waiting that God is stretching us and growing our faith. And we need those seasons of waiting to prepare us for what's to come. So let's keep believing in the promises of God. Let's keep the faith that what he said will happen, will happen. And you know, Mary had to keep the faith that Jesus was the Son of God. And for some of you today, maybe that is your step. Maybe... Keeping faith means giving your life to Jesus for the first time, recognizing him as the Son of God. Romans 10, verse 9 to 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raises him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. 
So if you do want to take that step of faith today, I'm not going to wait till the end of my sermon. We're going to pray that prayer now. And if you do want to give your life to God today, um, then please do pray this along um, in your heart now. Um, And I'm just going to ask that everybody else bows their head to give people space to do that. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me so much that you came down to earth and died for me. I admit that I've fallen short of who you have created me to be, and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you lived, died, and rose again so that I could be forgiven and reconciled to God. I confess you as my Lord and my leader. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Amen. And if you did say that prayer for the first time today, then um, please do um, go and see Christian at the back at the end of the service, and there's some resources um, that we'd love to give you. Um, you can all look at them <laughs> if you um, did that. So maybe that was your first step of faith. Um, maybe your faith looks like keeping faith in God during the waiting. Mary had faith and she was obedient. Thirdly, Mary rejoiced in other people's miracles in her waiting. You see, God didn't just do a miracle in Mary's life. God chose to bless Mary's relative, Elizabeth, with a child as well. There were two miracle babies in the nativity story. And Elizabeth couldn't conceive. She was really old. So this was definitely a miracle from God. And we know that Mary was likely there um, for the birth um, of Elizabeth's baby because it says that Mary went to visit Elizabeth in her sixth month and stayed for three months. So nine months of pregnancy... She was probably there for the birth. And she chose to journey with Elizabeth in her journey of of being pregnant and having this baby, even though she was pregnant herself. And I don't know, um, I've never been pregnant, but I've seen people that have been pregnant, and you get a lot of symptoms. It's not necessarily always a happy time, is it? Like sometimes you'd rather stay at home and you'd rather not. (laughs) Um, go and see people visit relatives I don't know I love my relatives I'm going to start with that but you know I don't necessarily think I'd want to go and stay with them for three months if I was pregnant and you know she chose to put those other people in her life first and to rejoice with them and be on the journey with them and she didn't have to do that she could have stayed at home and eaten pickles and she could have let Joseph massage her feet She could have kept her own promise and her own miracle safe. But she chose instead to focus on somebody else's miracle and rejoice in somebody else's miracle with them. And, you know, I think this is really, really hard to do. Because sometimes when we're in our season of waiting, it's really hard to see other people's miracles happening when our miracle isn't. It's really hard to see other people stepping into positions that you're feeling called to. It's really hard to see other people getting healing when you're not getting healing. 
But, you know, Mary chose to put her own journey aside to rejoice with those other people, to rejoice in another miracle that was happening. Now, I've spoken um, about my own journey before um, of going through ordination and not getting through my final interviews. But what most of you don't know is I actually went to Bible college with another candidate who did get through. And she was my age, and she got through, and she's going to be incredible um, in ministry. But, you know, when you have to turn up and see somebody else that got the yes, when you got the no, that's really tricky. You know, it hurts your pride a little bit. It feels humiliating a little bit to have to be like, well, actually, no, I didn't get through. And you question, like, was I not good enough? Did God not really call me? You know, and I had to choose. Am I going to be happy for her and build her up and see what incredible miracle God is doing in her life and how she's going to be incredible in ministry? Or am I going to stay to myself and I'm going to protect myself from that situation? But, you know, what God taught me in that was her calling doesn't have any effect on my calling. Because God is doing a miracle in somebody else's life doesn't mean he doesn't want to do one in yours. Because God is healing somebody else doesn't mean he doesn't want to heal you. You know, our God, we've just been singing it, is greater. He's got the capacity to heal everyone. He's got the capacity to work miracles in everybody's life. He's got the capacity to call everybody into his purposes. And he's got the capacity to lead us all in our own journeys. And I can look now, six years later, and see, well, actually, God did have a, a plan for my journey. And my journey looks completely different to what I thought it was going to look like. But sometimes we have to choose to go, do you know what? I'm not seeing my miracle yet, but I'm going to join this person and celebrate with them in their miracle. I'm going to join this person and encourage them in their calling. So, Mary was obedient. Mary had faith. And Mary rejoiced in other people's miracles and their callings and their purposes in their life. And the final point I want to make is that Mary praised through her season of waiting. Mary didn't fail to see the significance of her miracle. Even though Jesus hadn't arrived yet, even though he had not started ministry for like a long, long way away, um, in 30 years, Mary chose to praise God for the miracle that would happen. She chose to praise God for the deliverance that Jesus would bring to Israel. Maybe it didn't look like what she was expecting it to look like. You know, a lot of people thought that like Jesus was going to come and like start like some sort of kind of war and and like be a like mighty warrior. And he is a mighty warrior, but. Maybe that didn't look like what she thought it would. But before she knew, before she could see the end, 
she chose to praise and she chose to prophesy in that time of waiting. So she says this in Luke 1, verse 46 to 55. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their heart. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. You know, Mary couldn't see the deliverance. Mary couldn't see how Israel was going to get saved. But, she prophesied and she praised through her time of waiting. And we're going to do something a little bit different today. And this could go really, really good or really bad. <laughs> but I'm trusting God. Um, I really feel like God is telling us that actually we need to get up and we need to start praying and prophesying through whatever we're waiting for right now. Whatever that looks for you, whether that's a miracle, whether that's a calling, maybe that's a healing, whatever it is you are waiting on God for, let's stand and let's praise. So let's all stand together and let's prophesy. I want us to speak out the promises of God over our lives. I want us to speak out what we see happening in our lives, even if we can't see it yet. And we're going we're gonna to spend some time in praise to him. Okay, let's just start. And if this isn't you, maybe you're not in your time of waiting. Maybe you don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe God is going to use you today to help somebody else in their time of waiting. Maybe God's got a word that you're going to deliver today. For somebody that really needs a miracle today. For somebody that really needs to hear from God today. And we're just going to start. We're going to start singing. We're going to start praying out. And let's just give it to him. Instead of wondering how long our time of waiting is going to be. Instead of doubting whether it's going to happen. Let's just put God in his rightful place. Let's proclaim his promises. <laughs>